You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today we're talking to Sarah Drake, Senior SDR at Directive, about radical transparency and prospecting. One thing that's always a treat for me is getting to talk to uh, SDRs, you know, people out in the field right now prospecting, making things work, and really getting to pick their brain. Because even though I train and work with SDRs and BDRs and AEs and and other types of sales reps and sales teams doing prospecting, um, it's always cool to see what other people are doing because I have a specific way that I like to teach things and. It's usually a combination of best practices and things like that that I've learned, things that have worked for myself, things that work for our clients and that sort of stuff. But it's always fun to get to pick a salesperson's brain that's really good at prospecting. And that's exactly what I get to do in this interview that you're about to hear uh, with Sarah. And what we talk about is radical transparency and prospecting. And if you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. And in this podcast, what we talk about is tactics and strategies to help you set more meetings with your ideal clients by sending better cold outreach. So Sarah is really interesting because she spent a lot of time, I would say, developing her personal brand. Um, and that's I found out about her through her LinkedIn posts, um, through podcasts that I really like that she's been interviewed on. And that's how I found out about her. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to Sarah see what she's up to and see if she wants to come jam on and do an interview because she's got a lot of really great things to say about prospecting and I really love her approach. So what we're going to talk about today is what it means to be radically transparent in your prospecting. And she has like, this is a really tactical episode. So she's going to talk about what she says in emails, what she says in cold calls. She's going to talk about her mindset of approaching cold calling so we actually have a lot in common. We actually talk about therapy in the podcast too. You know, it's a good podcast if I talk about therapy. Um, but again, the big thing you're going to get from this is really actionable tips that you can apply right now to the cold outreach that you're sending. So really looking forward to this. Uh, before we get into the conversation uh, with Sarah, make sure to go to the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. There'll be links to get in contact with her and a quick summary of what we talked about today. And let's get into the interview. All right. So one thing I was doing some research on you, I found that we have in common is, well, you grew up in Orange County, we were talking about, and I've spent a little bit of time there. But the other thing that stuck out to me is, if I read correctly, did you do like a door-to-door kind of internship with a Frito-Lay where you kind of going around businesses and going door-to-door and that kind of thing? Yes, you are completely right. I was a outbound sales intern for the Salty Snack Leader Frito-Lay And I was tasked with going to their small business channel. So let's say like Jason's liquor store, like things like that, going to family owned liquor stores and selling them a rebate program that came in this really long, like confusing contract, Mm -hmm. trying to get them on this rebate program. So I was driving around in my Nissan Sentra, like all over the place, selling these contracts. So yes, door to door is like the best way you could, you could classify that. So what was that experience like for you? Were you excited to do that or were you a little scared? Like what was, what, what was going on up uh, upstairs? So to be very transparent with you, I was really scared. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thrown into the fire. This was a big organization and they said, hey, like we want you to swim. So go out and swim, but we're never going to let you sink. And so it was very much so like, here is your territory. 
here is the goal of what we're trying to do. Here's the rebate program. Learn as much as you can. Try to sell as many contracts as you can. And then at the end of the summer, it was a summer internship, you're going to put together a presentation like you would in school. And you are going to, you're basically going to sell this presentation to our leadership at headquarters in, in Texas. And I was like, okay. So the whole internship, I'm like, okay, what are some things that I could do that I, at the end, am going to be able to talk about? talking points, like more than just selling. So I was actually able to go into the stores and actually like put the chips on the shelf, like with the actual people that are doing that, the merchandisers, instead of just selling. So I really was like a super hands-on experience. Um, Just kind of taught me more that like, there's so much more behind the scenes than just the actual sale, like the actual, like um, actually doing the work for the client, you would say. Um, So that was really cool to see like, the whole side of Frito-Lay and what they do for their clients and their customers. No, that's really cool. I, so I, in college, what I did as a freshman, I went door to door selling house painting services for a company called college works painting. So you may have heard mm-hmm. of them actually down there in orange County, but uh, I remember being really scared too. So I definitely uh, resonate with you on that. I was super shy in high school and I actually had gone door to door through sports selling stuff. I, fucking mm-hmm. hated it. <laughs> it wasn't fun. But um, yeah, so I definitely feel you on that. And you mentioned like, it was kind of like a sink or swim kind of thing. Did yes. they tell you what to say when you were doing this? Or was it like, hey, like, here's what you're selling. Here's what we need you to do. Good luck. Like, go make it happen. So they gave me an iPad. And they were mm-hmm. like, here are a couple of free to lay apps that you can look at all of their numbers and make a business case why they should sign up for this rebate program. And so I had PowerPoint on there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the video apps. I'm going to like take some screenshots. You know, like I grew up with an iPad. We grew up with an iPad. Yep. Like we, we know how to use technology and I would make like little presentations for each store. And I, for the probably like, this is actually really funny for the first couple of weeks, I didn't even have a name tag. And I already look really young. So I'm walking in and they're like, who is this girl in a Frito-Lay shirt? Looks like she's maybe 14. We're not sure. Trying to sell me this contract. And then I pull up my iPad and I'd be like, are these your numbers? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what your numbers could be if you signed up for this program. And then I would kind of like go through it and it didn't work for everyone. Some of them were kind of like, that's great. Take a free bag of chips. I don't want to sign this, just go. Um, and then others like actually were able to sign up to the program. So um, yeah, it was, it was really fun, but it was difficult. And they didn't really give me to answer your question, like a set, like this is what you have to say, but that's how I work best. And that's how I found that out is yeah. in sales. I work best when I'm able to, do my own thing and really figure it out. And it's scary and it gives me anxiety, but like that's where I get out of my comfort zone. And that's where I'm like actually able to grow Mm -hmm. is in that environment. Uh, There's so many different ways that we could take this conversation, but I'm really really interested in, I I am, I think a little bit older than you. I'm, I just turned 31. So iPads weren't quite as uh, for me just to kind of date myself here, but uh, (laughs) um, okay. So one thing you said about being young, I am really curious about because that's what a lot of S, you know any SDR VDR these days is typically going to be someone like pretty fresh out of college, um, and they're being asked to like prospect to people that could be over twice their age, and it's something that I dealt with like going door to door selling house painting services too. I was selling to people that were like in their forties, fifties, and sixties, and I had brace like how would they could they possibly take me serious, you know? 
Um, what was going on for you? And, and do you still feel this a little bit where you have to prove yourself because you're young and there also might be implications. Uh, I would love to hear about if you're comfortable sharing too, with like being a woman too, selling, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you might get treated differently being a woman, um, versus being like a man. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say to that point, when I first started, it was scary because sales was always seen as like a sales bro mentality. Like there's still like sales bro things going on today. And that is a very male dominated space and being a female and being young, you're not taken seriously. But I realized that a lot of these things, like most things in life, like what I'm scared of or have anxiety about are all in my head. Um, but when I first started, I kind of had this, like, I was seeing things through a lens that like, wasn't my own. I was kind of letting what society was saying about this role, what society was saying about like women in sales, um, what it is to be young and in sales and not being taken seriously. And so that it was really hard starting out, but I think really early on, and I definitely have my team to thank for this. They would constantly encourage me. Like if I had a bad call or like I, you know, sent an email and got like someone being like unsubscribe, I'll get really down to myself and then fall back on, okay, well maybe it's because I'm really young. I'm not experienced. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then we would talk through those things. Be like, okay, what's wrong? Okay. I don't think I'm, I'm good at this. Well, what part of the email do you think they were upset at? What part of the call do you think we can do better? And so it was almost like I took the approach, if this makes sense, like a very much so like day by day, step by step, like tackling those obstacles um, where I thought I wasn't good enough. And then you slowly start to realize like, okay, I can do this no matter what, like, it doesn't matter if I'm a female, it doesn't matter if I'm young, like everyone has to start somewhere. So I think realizing that and just like, I guess, still being confident in your ability, like regardless of your age, race, gender is super important, but it does take time to get there. It's not like it just, it clicks. It's something that you have to put work into for yourself as well. Uh, I love that. I agree a hundred percent. I, it's, I'm always interested in hearing perspective from, from people like you that are thinking a lot about this because it's kind of hard for me to empathize too much because I am a person of color, but I'm Asian and Asian people don't really have it super tough. Uh, and I'm a man, you know what I mean? So I don't think that I had was subjected to a a, a lot of that. I, I, I hope that I wasn't at least, um, so you said this day by day thing, and I think that's a really important. Have you ever gone to therapy or anything like that? I have, and I'm okay. totally not afraid to say that. And it took me. Yeah, I'm 20. I'm turning 25, so I'm not that young yeah. for everyone. That thinks I'm like fresh out of college. Um, I'm 25. It took me 24 years to go. To You're therapy. a grown ass adult and now. You know, you. I'm are a grown ass adult. <laughs> I'm 25. I can rent a car at a much cheaper price. Yeah. Like. You know, and it took me 24 years to get to therapy. And what I just told you to answer your question, I'm now realizing that a lot of that is stemming from what I learned in therapy. I took an anxiety class. Like I'm, I'm all for teaching yourself these things and then putting that into your day to day. Like I love that. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I asked you is that I. I, I've gone to therapy now, I think for the last year and a half, two years. And you. Awesome. part of that is also, you know, couples therapy with, with my wife, mostly <laughs> so more so than the one-on-one sessions. But um, there's a lot of really practical psychology and exercises that you can do 
um, if you're experiencing fear. And I'm curious uh, if you're willing to share, mm-hmm. like if someone is fearful, like what did you go through um, like to sort of, uh, I think the best way, it, like the best way I can describe it is like this emotional validation concept where you, hey, someone's sharing something, you think about how they feel and you're like, hey, that's totally under- understandable, Sarah, why yeah, you might be scared. Like, in fact, a lot of people in your position are like going through that. What I also found helpful was doing that for myself too. Where it's like, hey, you're scared right now, Jason. Um, that's totally okay. Very normal for someone in your situation. You kind of go through this validation process. Yeah. Do you ever do something like that? Or do you have anything else to share? Because I, I think that a lot of uh, reps, regardless of age, are scared to do outbound and make cold calls and the fear of rejection and all that stuff. Anything that you can share that might be helpful for someone like that? Yeah, I feel like the, the first step is going to be that recognition. Like a lot of times when you're scared to do something, you just kind of like push it to the back of your mind and you're like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And then you're kind of like still scared throughout and you never really get your footing. And it's super hard to, to kind of like face those fears head on. So I would say the first step is like, okay, you're about to get into a cold call blitz or whatever that looks like. Take a second, like put your headphones down and sit, take a couple of deep breaths, recognize your fear. Be like, like you said, like Sarah you're really scared right now. Like it's completely fine. And then after you recognize the fear, that's when you're doing the validation like that. And then I think something that has like always helped me with this is realizing that not everything is about me. And when I say that, I mean, you call someone and they yell at you. They don't, they don't know you unless you somehow are able to tell them your entire life and how great you are in the first 30 seconds of the conversation. They probably were having a bad day. Like they, you were the seventh SDR to call. And so you just got the short end of the stick because the six pitches before you were awful. Like I think the best piece of advice that I could ever give when it comes to cold calling and being fearful of how prospects are going to react to you is it's not all about you. Like they have their own lives. And so disconnecting from that and not taking it personally and instead letting that fire you up and be like, you know what? I'm going to listen to that call, even though I hate hearing my voice over recording because it's how does anyone stand talking to me? But like B, it's super important to do that so you can like learn from it. And I feel like that's the last part is like if something goes wrong, which it probably it might because that's how life is like either listening to that call or reading that email or sending it to your boss and being like, what is wrong here? Let's fix it. And then I think that eases my anxiety into that next call or that next day is kind of like the steps that I took. If that was a lot, but yeah, that, no, that is freaking awesome because it's such a practical thing. I, I think that a lot of people think about mindset as this like really woo woo thing, like have a positive mm-hmm. attitude. Right. And I think that's such fine. bullshit because when you force yourself to have a positive, this is what I did for almost my entire life. It's yeah. like, it forces the, your actual emotions down and then it comes out as anger <laughs> for me. Um, yeah. Like I blow up on someone, which I rarely do and happens to be people that I love usually, unfortunately. Um, not that I'm like this, you know, guy that yells at people all the time. Right. right. But, Thank you for clarifying. Uh, yeah. But um <laughs> I think when you push it down and you don't give yourself a chance to be like, uh, dude, that sucked. And I feel really shitty 
because I was rejected right now, but you know what? It's like going through this dialogue that you did. Yeah. It's not personal and I shouldn't take this personally. This person might be having a bad day. Uh, that's extremely actionable, like tactical stuff that's backed by a ton of psychology. So I think that was like awesome. Um, really great advice. So this is a really good transition into what you wanted to talk about that I thought was a really cool topic, this concept of radical transparency. So yeah. where did this come from? Were you doing this, by the way, in some of your earlier like sales? Because you were a food server for a little while, right? You had some experience yeah. going door to door. Were you kind of intuitively doing some of this stuff? Was that a thing that you were thinking about then? or? I would say radical transparency for me that I look back. This is definitely like that term, I would say, that we're, we're calling it. Um, yeah. That definitely that term has come about now. Uh, more recently, <clears throat> but to look at like earlier in my life, I would say radical transparency has always come along for me um, for whatever job it was, whether it was door to door or working at Clean Jumper as a server. It, it comes with time. So it comes with comfortability in the job. It comes with finding your voice in the job. It's like knowing your day to day. And then once you get the routine down, that's where you can kind of like, you know, step away from the routine a little bit and start to add some pizzazz or start to add your personality. And it definitely comes with time. So with this job, with being in sales, I'm, I'm a year and a half into it now. Wow. It went by so fast. And when I first started, um, I would have this voice when I was on calls that wasn't really this voice that I'm talking with. Oh, right you now. had the phone voice. And you had the sales voice. My bot would call it the claim jumper voice because I worked as a server at the local claim jumper restaurant. Um, and I would go about like eight octaves higher, like, hi, this is Sarah with directive. It's like, where is that coming from? It's like an Ariana Grande voice. Like I've never, ever used that before. It's the and baby so we voice, called it, right? We called it my customer <laughs> service voice, my baby voice, like whatever you yeah. wanted to call it. And so a part of this radical transparency, like through this job and doing thousands hundreds of thousands of cold calls and emails like I've just gotten to the point where I just want to be myself and I I want to be transparent and I want to be comfortable and it's really hard but this is something that I've realized that I've been able to come into myself in every role um to answer your question and it hasn't always been like that there's always the ups and downs um and it does come with like a lot of confidence in the role but I, I do see it now um, in this job after being in it for about a year and a half. So. No, that's super cool. The The thing there that's really interesting that you said is around, you know, once you can kind of step outside of the routine, which the routine could be a, a talk track, <laughs> right? If you're doing a yeah. call call, um, was this like a progression for you or was there a moment where you were like, oh, okay, I don't actually have to say exactly what's on this talk track. I can take the two or three points of things that I need to do and really make it my own. Was, was that a progression or was that like, Oh, awesome. Okay. I realize this. I'm getting feedback. Let me make a really drastic change right now. Yeah. So <clears throat> we run a really lean CLC metrective and that allows us to be malleable, allows us to try a ton of new things all the time because we're able to like roll it out to the rest of the team. And so my colleague, Kyle Willis, uh, shout out to Kyle. Um, we've worked together for, I mean, the past year and a half. And we always talk about like, how can we stand out 
as SDRs because we know like every single month there's going to be, it compounds with how many SDRs are now getting the job. The SDR role is a lot more popular than it was when I started even a year and a half ago. So there's going to be like tenfold the amount of emails and the tenfold the amount of calls than when I started. And so we were talking about it and we're like, what if we just be like open and transparent about like what we're doing? So in our emails, for for example, we, as SDRs, a lot of people, you're going to get contacts from like, we use Zoom info, Discover Mm -hmm. Word. You're going to get people's contacts from there. And it's kind of interesting because like you reach out to these people and I've had people be like, where'd you get my email? And then I'm like, we have a database and we need, and it's like, what? (laughs) Like, that's weird. Like, where did you get my email? And so, um, and you, you know what I mean? And so literally in our emails, we started being like, hi, Jason, I'm Sarah. You don't know me. And in parentheses or something, be like, and to be transparent with you, I got your email from Zoom Info. And then we'll go into like some research we did about them, the value prop about directive, and then a pretty yeah. simple call to action. But we realized that I got an email back yesterday and she goes, Sarah, I get about 10 of these a day. And I never read past the first line because they're boring, but I read your entire email and it was an absolute breath of fresh air. And the more of these that Kyle and I got, and then my other colleague, Ryan as well, um, we were like, okay, there's something here. This is different than what everything is. Everyone is preaching. Like when you're new to an SCR, like role, like you need to obviously follow what's given to you in the script and stuff like that. Like I get that. And it's not easy for a brand new SDR to be like radical transparency. I'm just going to run with this. <laughs> like I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like for the reps that are like six months to a year down the road and you know what you're doing and you are like just dying to change it up a little bit, like maybe run it by your boss first, but maybe try to be like a little bit more open in your emails and not in a rude way at all. Like we're still, we're still talking professional. We're still talking about honest, um, and it's been able to help us break into more accounts since January, I would say, when we started to be like a lot more transparent in our emails and our calls as well. Dude, that's super cool. I, I have not tried that actually with the, the data thing. Hey, I was in it. I got your information because I was researching you in this tool. But I, the thing that you still do is uh, what I like about this is you're not you're still not pretending because what you could do is just say, I'm not going to personalize this or. And when I say personalization, I think a lot of like there's an argument right now around personalization versus context and relevance. Like to me, personalization, I'm assuming that anyone listening knows that that means more than like a merge tag with the first name on it. Like that does mean add context, right? To the, to the email. Um, but what I like there is that you then go into something personalized and you do add the context yeah. still. So you're still open, but you're not pretending and using that as an excuse for not personalizing to be like really cheeky or creative you're just being really open. Um, and it sounds like you're getting really good feedback from it too. What does that sound like? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here if it's cool. Um, what does that sound like in a cold call? You know, like when you get someone on the phone and if you wouldn't mind sharing too, cause people want to know, like people love tactics. Uh, do you email someone before you decide to give them a call? Do you call them first? Like maybe start there and then how, like yeah. how do you open a cold call? Okay. So, I would say there's a lot of different schools of thought for all of these. I have to preface mm-hmm. that. Um, I have found it most impactful to start with the email, especially if you're, and I know a lot of SDRs have like tiered accounts. So it's like 
your like tier one accounts are going to get all personalized. Your tier two might be like a mix, tier three, maybe not. And whatever that, whatever that looks like, let's say this is a prospect that you've been going after for a while. And like, you really need to personalize the crap out of this to get their attention. Because <clears throat> nothing else has worked. Um, so you're going to send, so I'm going to send you an email, right? And I'm going to do my research. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to tie it back to like, I, I even say like, and also, like I noticed on LinkedIn that <clears throat> something about their posts, something about their profile that really makes sense why I did this research on their SEO. We do SEO and paid search at my the agency I work for. So yeah. we will do a little bit of a personalization to the person, like why we think it's for them. Then we'll do personalization as in like a little bit of an audit, like a teaser audit of like how we'd be able to help them with their SEO or even their PPC paid advertising. And then after that, um, the call to action, we've kind of strayed away from doing like, can I get 15 minutes of your time, which is such a popular one. We usually have the call to action be like, would you be open to learning more? Like, if this resonates with you, let me know. Or like something that's like very low friction is kind of what we've tried to do because you're probably going to send them a lot more emails in your sequence. So like leaving it up to them. in a, like a lower friction CTA has helped a lot. Sometimes we don't even put a CTA and then people are like, this was a great email. And so it, it did, the whole point is to get a reply. So trying new things is important. And so I send that email and I've done all my let's, research. Let's pause like, there real quick. So, Actually, yeah. Cause you sent, yeah. you said so many things there. I think that are really, really relevant. And I see a lot of the same things and I have yeah. a question about one of them. Um, sure. I let, I love the call to action that you're leaving it a little more soft. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even leaving out the call to action. Mm-hmm. And I think people are so desensitized to, can I get 15 minutes of your time? What days work? Uh, it is my pet peeve when people put a scheduling link in the first cold email to like, hey, use my link here. It's like, I'm so important. You obviously want to you know, spend many calories of yours to click here and then find a time and then see if it works. You know, uh, too many assumptions there. Uh, I want to... Okay, I want to highlight that you're working in an industry that is traditionally, people are very jaded about marketing kind of services because they've been hammered by so many companies that aren't like yours that do a really shitty job on lead they gen. Get burned. And that they, stuff. Get, so, they get really burned, yeah. yeah. The fact helped, that you're doing this, yeah, the fact that you're doing this and having success with it is is really impressive. So let's look at this through the lens of this this radical transparency like with the personalization, because this is a really hot topic right now, yeah. what are you looking for? Is it something that you personally relate with? Is it like, how are you connecting it? And where does this transparency kind of thing fit into like what you end up actually writing in the email? And that's, and that's hard. Like, I'm not saying yeah. that this personalization is super easy. I've gotten a lot faster because I can kind of see triggers or see certain things that they're focused on. And sometimes like, your prospect might not put a ton in their LinkedIn profile. Like they might not put a ton online and then you're like, well, what do I do? And so it's not easy, but like, I would say an example, like let's say a marketer is a revenue marker marketer, or they've talked in their profile, how they were able to increase marketing's um, contribution to revenue. So I have an email where we were able to increase a client's conversions like 140% in 30 days. So I'll say, hi, Jason. I saw that you like increased your t- marketing team's contribution to revenue by 30% last year because I know conversions are the first step to producing revenue. I wanted to share this case study that I thought you would find interesting. 
Um, if this helps you do your job better, then I'd be ecstatic. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week, Sarah. Like there's like, and I will use that as like a reply email to the audit that I did or something like that, where like these emails don't have to be like crazy, crazily personalized. But how I see it was like, I saw that they were attached to revenue or they were attached to conversions. They were attached to SEO. I took a case study that we have and then left the call to action. Like if, if this helps you, awesome. Like have a great week. Yeah. You're and doing something there that is like, I love that there's no ask because I, where I see people mess up with cold emails, there's too many call to actions, right? It's like, Hey, check out this. And then also you can check out this and Oh, by the way, I want 15 minutes of your time. It's just too much uh, to think about. Uh, and I like that you're, you're spending some time from what it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, like really thinking about instead of just writing, Hey, I saw you're a big fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Me too. It's a, how can I find something that they care about that I can connect to like what we do really well or what we care about uh, seems to be the, the, the thinking and the logic behind that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, because I want it to be relevant to their job, like, okay, they like the Dodgers, but does the Dodgers help them bring more traffic to their website? Like me, I don't know what the Dodgers are doing these days, but like, I don't think so. So another thing just to kind of take it back to radical transparency that I've been trying is like, I'll send an audit email to them just because you did your research and like you get all upset. They didn't respond. Like doesn't mean your research had anything to do with what they were focused on. Like their LinkedIn might tell you, the surface level, but you're never, you might not be able to get deep enough to actually That's know. like another not taking it personally kind of thing right there, yes. right? <laughs> it all, right? It all ties back. Dude, you. it's like the and friend, it's like the friend that goes out of their way to do like a really big birthday surprise for you. And then they get really pissed that all you do is wish them happy birthday when there was no context. Yes. To any of your previous interactions have always been that you wish each other happy birthday. They decide to do something extra and then they expect something in return and they take it really personally. Right. Uh, I feel like the we can approach that as in sales. Yeah, we can take that same approach. Yeah, the sooner you realize that you're not owed anything is a lot easier. It's kind of a smack in the face, but um, something that I've done also with my emails to take it back to radical transparency, I'll be like, hey, Jason, like my next email, hey, Jason, it is impossible for me to know what is most important to you, or maybe my emails just suck. But here's a case study, like maybe like my first email was just like just research I did, and then the next one's like, I can't possibly know what is most important to you. And I am trying my absolute best here. Um, or maybe my emails just suck. And if they do, let me know. Um, and then like, here's a case study that I thought you might like, and then no call to action, like kind of switching it up. Like I will sometimes do a call to action. And my call to actions usually will be something along the lines of like, can I earn a spot on your calendar? Like very much so like, know that it's, I want to earn this. I don't want to just take it without giving. Um, and so that's a call to action that I've been trying that has worked pretty well for me. Like, can I earn after you've done your research, not on like the first cold email, just because you like send a case study once, like you didn't earn shit. <laughs> like yeah. I'm talking like maybe the third, fourth email in your sequence after you've done all this personalization and like, you know what their dog's name is and I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> then you're saying like, can I earn some time on your calendar? Like when you are asking for that time and yeah. they might be willing to give it to you if they saw all the research, but they still might not give a crap about you and that is okay. Yeah. 
this is gold, by the way. Like there's, you're sharing some stuff that I, I, I uh, definitely want to try with our clients. Um, okay. So cold calling. So you email them a couple of times when, let's say it's a tier one account that you do want to invest some time in calling. Where does radical transparency come in? Like when you decide to cold call someone and pick up the phone? Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people will probably cringe at this, but we use the 27 seconds. Like, hey, Jason, how are you? Connect and sell. I know I'm a, yep. I know I'm an interruption. Can I get 27 seconds to tell you why I called? Something like that. If you say it with like enough oomph and then you, you know, your tonality, like a lot of the time people are like, sure, whatever. I think a really key component of cold calls, regardless of how you want to do it, the, the thought process is still the same. It's like asking them for the go ahead to keep talking because you interrupted their day. Like, and some people might be like, can I, do you have a second? You know, I mean, that might not work, but I, I found it more powerful to just ask and get the go ahead. Cause if they're like, sure, then I'm kind of like, well, you gave me 27 seconds, so you can't get mad at me that I'm going to pitch you. And so what I'll do is like, hi, Jason, um, this is Sarah with directive. I know I'm an interruption. Can I get 27 seconds to tell you why I called? Sure. Sarah. Like, yeah. What's up? Yeah. And be like, okay, Jason, well, this is a cold call, but I did not come empty handed. I just sent you an email, some research that I did on your organic traffic. I realized that this is a focus for you based on your LinkedIn. I found a couple of ways that I think you can increase that non-branded traffic. And then I'll say something like, uh, but before I bore you to death, I really just want to know if you already have an agency for SEO or paid search. And the reason why I have that call to action, which isn't going to work for everyone is that frames the conversation for me. Like I need to know if they already have an agency or not, because it's a completely different pitch. It's either a why we're better or why you need one, depending on if they have one or not. And so I'll always have my calls be like, get their time. And then I'll make a funny, like I didn't come empty handed. I promise. Um, I did this research just why I think it's relevant to you. But before I bore you to death with this, I want to know if you have an agency. And then usually they're kind of like a little more calm because I'm, it's, I don't like the it's term. It's really disarming. I hate the term self-deprecating. Like I really don't like that, but I, I do like trying to say things that like let prospects walls go down, like a breath of fresh air, like the bra yeah. on my email said, like. But the way you do it. Yeah. And the way you do it though, doesn't sound needy. Cause you can be very needy on the other where you're apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. Like that would yeah, be a terrible, like point. what you're really saying good. is sounds so disarming. I could totally see why a prospect would be like, okay. The other thing that stuck out to me too is, and it's something we teach is to ask the first question better be a really simple question to answer. Some people come in really generic and they ask this huge open-ended question at the beginning. Like, well, Hey, what's your biggest challenge with your pay-per-click campaign right now? And it's like, uh, I don't know, dude. I I could you got Everything. an hour? Yeah. <laughs> so um I like that you ask a really short question there. I, I just love this approach, by the way. Um so the other thing I, I want to point out too is that uh, I didn't hear you talk about your agency at all in that opening. I didn't hear you talk about and we can help you do this and, and all these like empty promises. Uh is that was that un- intentional? Yeah, because they don't care. Um, because 
unless they already know about directive and they've been on our website and we're asking for a proposal and my timing is impeccable it's never impeccable um they just they don't care and they like if you read articles on linkedin and by all these sales pros they always say like you need to make it about them like you need to be selfless and i feel like as SDRs, we can be very selfish it's like why well, have a quote of it like i gotta put food on the table it's like yes yes but like you also need to make it very customer and buyer centric like make it about them like people always want to give to people that have given to them in the past like you're much more willing to do a favor for someone that did a favor for you like that's just like human nature and to your point of like psychology that's just like really a subconscious thing right and so if you're making it about them and referencing an email that you sent or the research that you did to show that this just wasn't another cold call that was going to throw up on them about how great they are like it's just going to help you stand out it's not going to work every time like yeah i have people hang up on me or whatever it might be just like everyone else but yeah. this after a year has year and a half has helped me get closer to yeah. what i want to do no i love this and and the uh i think what i like about the approach is it's very practical and it's very uh, I hate that that people say this now, but I don't can't think of any other way to say it than to be human, be more human. And it's yes. like, I never thought in sales we would have a conversation around telling people to be more human. But yeah. this basic psychology of law of reciprocity, right? If I do something for someone else, they're more likely to do something for me, and that, and that something for me is just giving them giving me a few minutes of their time so I can actually have a genuine conversation about what they're going through and if it makes sense to see how we might be able to help them. And then the other thing too, have you read Chris Voss's I uh, never split the difference? I have that on audible. So I have I'm not gonna... read the book yet, but I've heard it on a lot of <laughs> interviews. And the thing he talks about is that people really want their autonomy. And I think that this upfront contract, you know, Sandler style, let me ask for permission uh, first I think what that does with the prospect, it makes them feel like they have autonomy and control over the call because they're yeah. agreeing to allow you to do something. Yeah. Right. It just seems to be a really, a, a, like I said, a, a, you said, or you said, excuse me earlier, a breath of fresh air for the prospect. We're like, ah, yeah. okay, like I can relax. This person's not going to, you know, try to pitch me super hard on something. I'm actually going to get to talk in this call, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I love your point about how you never thought we would have a conversation about being human. I didn't think that'd be a thing either. Like I always thought like, well, I'm Sarah, so I'm just gonna bring Sarah to this SDR role. And then all of a sudden you have this like claim jumper baby Ariana voice coming through the phone and it's like, well, who, who is that? Like, where have I ever heard that voice? But I feel like it's like that constant reminder. It's like the recognition of what you're doing and then taking it back and being like, it's okay. Cause a lot of times those voices come out when you're nervous. It comes out when like, you can't mess up this call. Cause you don't have a meeting on the books yet this week. And so when you mess up this call, like you're not going to hit your goals and like, then you're going to get fired and there. And it's like, you, you take it so far into this just anxiety ridden like path that if you just like take a deep breath, remember who you are, Remember that it's not all about you and like trust in your training, trust in the process, like just keep picking up the phone and keep sending the emails. The second that you stop doing that and the second you like, I guess, stop putting in the effort, like, I mean, 
that's when you're going to start to fail, but that's on you. That's not on anyone else. So like, you just have to keep showing up. That's it. Yeah. No, I love it. And it's not the usual rah, rah, keep a positive attitude advice. We were joking about earlier that I just can't stand anymore. Um, Okay. So there's one other thing I want to make sure that we talk about before we run out of time here. And it's relevant for the times right now. And while we're on this prospecting thing, you know, coronavirus has got a lot of people working from home right now. And especially Mm -hmm. if you're a salesperson and you haven't done that before, and you're used to an environment where you can go to for motivation and camaraderie and that kind of thing. Uh, What I found out today, I I didn't know is that you do a lot of your prospecting uh, from home and that's, Mm -hmm. I've worked from home since 2013. So it's, that's kind of the only way I've prospected uh, B2B because the other stuff was business to consumer. So I've always kind of done it myself what tips do you have? And maybe we start with mindset first around, because you've talked a lot about like how to really um, not take things personally and let it get to you. But like, what is your mindset? What's going through Sarah's head when it's time to do like a a call blitz? I would say my best piece of advice is being able to kind of disconnect the, the two worlds. And what I mean by that is when you're at home, Now, for a lot of reps that used to work in the office where you would get to the office at game time, like, let's go type of mentality. Now you're at home and it's the place where you kick your shoes off and you watch Netflix. Like, how do you like now get into that like mentality of a call blitz? So I would say try to make it as close to your workday as you can from home. So, I mean, wake up make your bed, put your clothes on, if you're a girl, put, put that makeup on, whatever you do for the office, and then go downstairs or whatever that looks like. If you don't have an office yet, maybe you tried. I'm at my kitchen table. Like, uh, you know, like this has become my office. We have an actual office, but this looks better for the camera. Um, so just try to make it as close to the office as you can. So maybe don't work in your room, separate that. Um, try to get into that mentality and just like anything like you'll start to get comfortable with the space it's going to feel super weird at first but my best piece of advice is try to make it as close to your day at the office as possible without going into the office yeah i i love that the not working where you sleep is i think a really big one too uh, if you have the accommodations <laughs> i don't know what kind of you know apartment right and that's all have, up to you like kind of tough yeah. but uh yeah, I like that. So it's essentially there is the routine kind of takes care of the mindset. It sounds like um, is your advice. Mm-hmm. Is there any other sort of practical things around? Because I'm just thinking how easy it is. Like one thing I really battled with is procrastination. And mm-hmm. how do you keep from, hey, I have this hour blocked off to make calls, but I could just burn five minutes on or 10 minutes on LinkedIn after I get rejected on this cold call, like, how do you, how do you, yeah. keep and do you collaborate? Cause you have another SDR that, that works with you guys is part of this. Hey, let's try to make our calls at the same time. Or do you guys kind of maybe chat with each other or any, like, is there any of that kind of thing uh, remotely in terms of collaboration or anything like that? Um, yes, here and there. I mean, we'll always share like wins. We literally have a channel inside called celebrate sales. So I think that's really funny. We'll send like that's a funny cool. call or like, I think it's super important to also celebrate the fails. 
because then we're all in this together and you're really changing the mindset. I think that's a great way to answer your question. And it brings back mindset is when you do collaborate, like over Slack or whatever that is, like still sending those emails. Like it's embarrassing. It can be really embarrassing. Like you sent this email from the heart and you got to please remove me from your list. And you're like, no, Julie, like I worked two weeks on that email kind of thing. And, and then sharing that in the channel and then everyone's like, ah, I got one of those last week. And then someone else sends it yeah. and you're like, ah, <laughs> we're all in this together. So like, you're going to definitely feel like a lone wolf sometimes when you're at home, but like also put yourself out there too, like, and share your fails. I mean, like if it's in your general Slack, some whole company, like, I don't know how well that would go over, but maybe you create a celebrate the fails channel with your fellow SDR team to like send those types of calls when they're not so great. Cause all you hear is like, the wins, the wins, the wins, wins. And if you don't have any wins to share, then you feel like crap. And you're like, now I'm at home and I'm alone and <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, no, like just be able to celebrate the fails with your team as well is a great way to create camaraderie when you're not actually with them. So you're saying to make like the anti-social media Slack channel where people yeah, share their failures it's, instead of the but wins. But it still needs to be a positive. It's a celebrate the fails. It's not wallow in the fails, okay? Like we're not yeah, sitting here talking big about difference. We're talking about, hey, I got a response. Maybe it wasn't a response that I wanted, but like, let's figure this out and let's try to be better and like, let's laugh at it because it's not all about us. And maybe they were having a bad day. Cool. Love it. A lot of psychology in that too. So I think that's Mm -hmm. a really great tip. Uh, Okay. So now we're at the point where I like to ask people about their favorite outbound play. And you already kind of shared a couple of things I think are really good for people to take in terms of what they can say in emails and cold calls. Do you have a play that you run when you like really want to get a hold of someone or anything like that that you can share with us? Yeah. Um, this is gonna sound really hallmark, but my favorite play is a long-term play. And what I mean by that is let's say you had a conversation with a prospect that is like couldn't be more perfect for your business. You guys have a great conversation and then something comes down to timing, something comes down to budget, something comes down to a you guys are great, but this is going to have to be later. A lot of salespeople go into like the, no, let's move it along now. And like, just like keep hounding them. And it's like, you can't control the timing. So when I say long-term play, I say, maybe it's you, Jason, maybe like you were the person I want for my business. And you're like, Sarah, you're awesome, but it's not good timing. Okay. So maybe like once a month, I send you an article that I think you would like. I mark on my calendar to reach out to you, mark on my calendar to maybe give you a call, see where you're at. Just very like low key type of touches. And then who would have thought you like directives so much that your boss goes, Jason, I need you to go find an SEO agency. Now, now you are coming to me and that has actually happened to me. It does take time. New reps. I'm sorry. Like it might not happen right away, but like over time in January alone, when the new year came and people were looking for agencies, I had three different prospects pull an email of mine out from nine months prior and be like, Hey, we need this now. And it's like, your girl just became an inbound rep, like (laughs) because outbound turns to inbound, you know what I'm saying? So, um, it's just, it's playing that long-term game and knowing that timing might not always be right, but if you are there and you are adding value consistently through the process, there's a chance that they might actually come back to you. If you love something, set it free. And if it was meant to be, it'll come back to you. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Super hallmark. I already told you, but yeah, Do you have an nice. example of what an email like that would sound like? Because a lot of people ask me about nurturing emails and a lot of people yeah, talk like, about so, it. Yeah, what, right. the, what would an example of one where you're sharing a helpful article, like what does the email even sound like? 
I mean, at this point, you probably know a good amount about like what they do. So maybe you're someone in your company just released an article or not even your company. Maybe it's like an article you saw because they really liked the Dodgers. I don't know, like something along the lines of like, hey, I was thinking of you. I hope everything's going well. Like love your friends at Directive. No, don't put love. Sorry. Like sincerely your friends from Directive. Like whatever that looks like, it when it it's not cold anymore, you know? So it's like I'm talking in this point of like, this is someone that you've had a great conversation with and it came down to like timing wasn't right, but like you knew you were a great fit. Like I don't know about other nurture campaigns where someone didn't answer you at all and you don't really know them. I'm talking like now this person has kind of become close to a friend. So like reaching back out, seeing how they are like once a month, nothing too crazy, but like, Hey, I thought this made me think of you or whatever it might be. Like, that's just the most genuine, like as genuine as you can make it. If you guys aren't friends, which you probably aren't, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is as close to genuine as you're going to get in sales is like reaching out as a human being. Like when timing isn't right and just trying to be helpful or remind them that you're still here. <laughs> being human, being helpful, right? Um, love it. About. Awesome. So before you take off, Sarah, what's the, what do you want to share with people? You know, where's the best place for people to check out this? Cause you posting, which we didn't even get to talk about today. You're posting a ton of great content on LinkedIn, especially yeah. for people that uh, want to see what's working from a prospecting standpoint. But yeah, wh- where do you want people to check out? Um, I would say, hmm, personal plug, uh, check me out on LinkedIn, Sarah Drake, Sarah with an H, Drake like the rapper. Um, there's going to be a lot of Sarah Drake. So just type in Sarah Drake directive. You should be able to find me. I've linked all of my like articles and podcasts. They've been like a labor of love over the year and a half. So you could check those out. It would mean the world to me. And if you ever need a really awesome agency for search engine optimization or pay-per-click advertising, let me know or let Jason know because Jason will tell me. And yeah, if you're a software company, literally. But I yeah, yeah I just can't stress enough. Like, definitely check out uh, Sarah's LinkedIn because she it gets more engagement than I do on most of my posts. And it ah! makes me jealous. No, <laughs> no. Uh, no, but the content's really good because you do such an awesome job of like documenting. And this has been really great. I appreciate you hopping on because I. I learned a lot from you today and I learned a lot from the people that I talked to and I definitely want to put some of those to, to practice. Yeah. It's been, thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute blast. It just felt like a conversation then an interview or what do you want to say? So thank you. That was a really fun interview. I, what I get from this is, and again, I, I get a lot from just talking to reps, like people out there in the field right now, like Sarah, that are, that are doing really well with prospecting. It gives me a lot of ideas, but in particular, one of the things right now that we're dealing with, you know, just given the times is a lot of the people that we're prospecting to are not ready to buy. And that's really the case any other time as well, even when the economy is like everything's going really great. But her nurturing outbound play is one that I would definitely recommend uh, looking more into and trying out yourself so that you can keep the conversations going that you spend such a hard time and such a long time uh, getting started, you know, with your emails and your cold calls. So I appreciate you tuning in today. Make sure to check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. There's tons of other helpful resources there as well. One of them is a guide called the Reply Method Guide. That's a messaging framework that you can use to write better emails and build better cold call talk tracks. And if you would, do me a big favor, leave a review, an honest review on the podcast on iTunes. Let me know what you think so that we can get 
great guests on like Sarah in the future. And thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.